biggest thing with your basic needs is that they are there in order for like they're necessary in order for your brain to function in a healthy way. Welcome to the Elite Few Podcast, where we explore the fabulous, extraordinary world of the people who move the needle of success. Join our host, Tiffany, and producer, Kyle, as we dive into the stories and insights of the elite few who are making a difference and pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Let's get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Elite Few podcast. My name is Kyle Goodnight. I'm your producer and co-host. This is my my host, Tiffany Feeney. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us again. I'm happy to have you back. So just to let everybody know, if uh, Tiffany and I uh, nod off, this is the sixth recording in a 24-hour period. We've already been uh, <laughs> uh, five hours or so on the road today, yeah. up and back to uh, yeah. to record some really great and, shows. Um, that I, we fighting can't allergies. Fighting your allergies my, in Ohio with all of both, the... Oh my we God, we all came out... Oh my gosh. Before we, before we introduce our guest, we came out of the house that we were recording at today, and the next-door neighbors were doing the leaf blowing and chopping and this leaf dust was in the air and i'm like tiffany i know how your feelings about mask but you may want to put a mask on before when you go out and get in the car (laughs) i will wear them for pollen i'm telling you um my goodness wow yeah it was bad it was bad this is a rough weekend to come back to ohio rough weekend for you for ohio (laughs) but uh once again don't forget to like subscribe share if you hear this message today it's going to be about deviant behavior tiffany's getting ready to introduce our guest and talk to talk to her about everything that that she has in her big brain of deviant behaviors and (laughs) and addictions and whatnot and uh if someone you hear this and you think of somebody and you think that they need to hear this message please don't hesitate to share it with them we are on youtube uh, we are on apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, spotify pretty much all the major podcasts we're on it the elite few media uh, don't forget to leave comments in in the link below anything we talk about today that that references web pages or or how to get a hold of people we'll go ahead and put that stuff in the comments and if it's something you want to know and you have a question don't hesitate to send us a question we'll answer it when we get to it so tiffany go ahead let's take it away and and uh, introduce our our awesome guest that we have uh, our our last of 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 six and 24 hour period. So today we have Samantha Piper with us and she is a licensed professional clinical counselor. And um, I mm-hmm. actually had also, and you have been in deviant behavior for a while. And then before that you did addictions. I also heard rumor that you had um, went to Rollins college, one of the top colleges in the country. I did for undergraduate. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Everybody, in case um, you don't know us, I actually met her there and we went there together and it was the best time of our lives. A little much, too much fun at moments. Um, we had a great time. So we both went on, got our master's degrees and work in professional fields now and um, act yes. like grownups most of the time. So we, <laughs> we are working together now to go over what actually deviant behaviors are, um, let people understand a little bit about uh, the way deviant behaviors work and how it falls into play with abuse and addiction. So um, when the, I think one of the biggest things that we had even talked about recently was um, the 
and this was something we talked about a while ago, was the lack of accountability that they have right away and that they all tend to have justifications for their behavior. Sure. They, so when you're they looking- tell themselves this. Yes. Yeah. So when um, so something that is important to understand, and it's the same thing if you're familiar with um, addiction or addiction cycles, um, what you're going to find is they mirror each other. They're pretty similar, the addiction cycle, as well as like the offense cycle. Um, I mean, I mean, pretty much like almost 100% identical. So what we look at and when we talk about like justification and whatnot, um, that kind of falls going into like the middle of the cycle a little bit and then like towards the end as well. And so what you have to understand is there's a triggering factor that happens um, for people that sends them into their cycle. Um, Now, what actually triggers somebody is going to be informed by their past experiences. Um, Typically with these populations, um, 100% of the clients that I've worked with, um, I'm not saying that it has to be 100%, but 100% of the clients that I work with have tremendous, tremendous trauma, um, whether that's sexually related or not sexually related. um, And it is horrific. Um, And so that what that does is we have um, to kind of make this a little bit short, but to give a better understanding that's important um, is that every human has basic needs that need to be met. When we talk about these basic needs, there's 10 of them. And when we look at our basic needs, um, they're like even stuff like, you know, fun, power and control, um, acceptance, acceptance. And whatnot. And so I I could go through all of them and spend days. But um, the biggest thing with your basic needs is that they are there in order for like they're necessary in order for your brain to function in a healthy way. And so your body or your brain is going to attempt to get these basic needs met when they aren't met. And so what happens is when you have childhood traumas or neglect, you're going to come up with other ways in which to get these basic needs met. And then those are maladaptive. And so what you do is you bring up maladaptive coping skills. Now, those coping skills at some point were helpful for you, like um, as a child or whatnot. So if you weren't getting attention from your parents or love or whatnot, then avoidance or something else you're going to use in order to compensate for that. And what happens is eventually this coping skill that you may need um, to stay safe in the moment or for your brain to stay safe no longer um, is useful for you. A lot of times like in adulthood or whatnot. However, all of your decisions are being made off of this past history. And so it just kind of combined. So what happens is you have a trigger, like something triggers, you have what we call like um, cognitive distortions or like thinking errors. And so it's like, oh my gosh, this person just ran into they must hate me or not respect me, right? And respect is, again, a basic need. And so it's like, what do I do when somebody doesn't respect me? Now it's a defense mechanism because that's triggered. And so then you go into the justification and then you have, you know, another behavior. And then all of a sudden that next behavior is going to be your behaviors that are like at risk. So it's putting you in a place where you're about to reoffend, you offend or you relapse, and then um, we get to the part where we're trying to hide it or justify again of why like it was okay. And then 
you go through it again. You trigger, a, you think about a it, complete cycle. behavior, and it just keeps going. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> and how many, we, we did talk about this earlier. There's quite a few that end up having addictions as well, or at least not admitting they have an addiction, but do use. Sure. Um, so substance. yeah, I, I would say that it's, it's not um, everyone. And it's, I, I wouldn't even say necessarily that it is the majority okay. of the clients that I work with, but it's common. Like it's not uncommon. Uncommon. It's okay. not, it is, it is not surprising when somebody comes in and they also have a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction or okay. sex or shopping addiction or, you know, whatever the case may be. It's, um, and a lot of this behavior is addictive. So if when okay. you're stealing somebody's like um, undergarments. So um, yes, yes. it could be your mother's. It could be yeah. any female that you have or male or anybody, you know, obviously that you're attracted to that you are stealing these items. Um, it tends to be, you know, female items. Yeah. Um, and that act in and of itself, you may be like, you know, I shouldn't be doing this, but there's still something that is you're getting something out of it. And so therefore it is something that you continue to do. That compulsive um, behavior is there. And so the compulsivity can be a bigger factor and it's not just um, based around sexual arousal. Okay. So let's um, go a little deeper into that. Um, we'll go to justifications a little bit more too, because I know um, that was a big thing that I had dealt with someone in my life um, who had a, a, a deviant behavior and said, well, we always have justifications, of course, as if he was blowing it off because he's an idiot. And um, when we talk about these things, let's say we're talking about something like voyeurism, for example, sure. we are mm -hmm. dealing with somebody who likes to, and you can correct me where I'm wrong on this, um, violate people who aren't aware and as we know in, in my personal situation, those violations, um, varied from just more than voyeurism, but to also being able to take advantage of people who were weaker than him or unconscious or so forth. So when you're dealing sure. with something like that, and that is a trauma somehow that happened that wasn't met. And um, if, especially if there is abuse from the family, uh, sexual abuse or something. And I know I looked it up the other day and it said, uh, deviant behavior usually involves some sort of uh, behavior that as a child that triggered that type of sure. wh whatever it is, their deviant behaviors it could be anything. There's yeah. such a list. Yeah. Um, and the, and the, and I think the thing is when we're talking about voyeurism, what is it that they're, what is it that actually motivates that besides taking advantage of somebody who's weak and can't, doesn't, isn't aware or conscious of what's happening. Yep. So there's actually um, some new research out real quick. And I had it up and just realized that I shut it. Um, that was done out of the UK on voyeurism. Cause there's not like, okay. So I see voyeurism within my practice. It's right. You know, right. it happens. Right. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say that it's something that we, focus on a lot. It's just kind of okay. like one of those, yep. Okay. Like demon behaviors we take into consideration right. unless it's, it's like kind of like their primary um, situation. And okay. um, there is a, I'm bringing up her name right now so I can get it right. 
um, a PhD um, candidate. Um, she may be, she may have her doctorate by now, but I had just, okay. excuse me, recently went to an ATSA conference, which um, is a conference for people that work with people with like, um, like the sexual abusers and whatnot. Okay. Um, national conference in Denver. And I was able to see her speak and um, her, she, her name is Vicki Lister and she is out of, um, let's see, Kane's college, the university of Kent and okay. Canterbury Kent. And yeah. she did research on voyeurism specifically with men oh, that were wow. incarcerated okay. in that country. Yep. And what they found okay. was that there were three motivating factors or there were like motivation factors but like kind of three categories um, for people um, that were offending. And okay. so, and with that, they also were able to create a new model, which has not been, to my knowledge, done yet within the field. So the research was really groundbreaking in what they did. And of course, it's still, it's very new and it still needs to be replicated right. and, and whatnot. But um, from what they found, um, you have the the individuals that are looking for sexual gratification. So I am okay. quoting this from her. So rooted in sexual satisf satisfaction, sexual interest in voyeurism or hypersexuality, sexual addiction, um, voyeuristic engagement used as a coping strategy. So often what was said in her thing is like, I felt completely numb and the voyeurism is what popped into my mind. It was the escapism for me, from my life, a safety net for me. So that was a quote from one of the people that uh. she um, had um, worked with. Um, another category was maladaptive connection seeking. So we have people that are seeking it for sexual gratification, some for maladaptive connection seeking, connecting with others, typically through long-term sexual relationships with adolescents or engagement with um, when lonely. And then the third type was access to inappropriate persons. So this was just simply you had the capability, and so, and you, so did. you did. Um, I and think so this that's is game really where mine fell in. By the way, my situation. I think it was exactly. Well, that. just you wait had, a second. Okay, okay, yeah. this is getting good. Gain access <laughs> to inaccessible people, stepchildren or neighbors. Usually extensive planning, such as installing cameras. So um, what, we we found, go, what, what they found was that, that <laughs> people didn't typically like weren't mutually exclusive in these categories, but this is kind of like what sprung it for them. And talking about like bridging off of what we were talking about before, like traumas yeah. and whatnot, um, they found that what was happening in these people's lives were like similar. They were having like really hard relationships with maybe significant others or just other people in their life. They were like depressed, you know, find other things, a lot of uh, loneliness. Mm -hmm. was kind of like identified. And so it's that need for like connection. Um, and they also found that like sexual gratification was not um, necessarily like a factor. the top like, of the list. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, so you could have um, no sexual gratification and still have that again, compulsion yeah. there because it was a compulsion. Um, yeah. Yep. For some people, but wait, it was like let's, let's be clear about the compulsion thing. So, um, the person I dealt with claimed that they had a compulsion, therefore it wasn't their fault. 
I'm a psychology yeah. major and a behavior master. Who are you talking to? My answer to them was, um, it's always your fault. Because with any addiction, compulsion, or oppression that you're dealing with as a behavior problem, if you don't admit it, am I wrong, Samantha? You're the licensed mental health therapist. Um, if, if you don't admit it, you can't fix it. You will just deny it to yourself. Ah, you <laughs> hit on a really good, Thank you. Uh, or I would say really, um, um, oh, I can't think of the word, but hot topic yeah. within... Uh, the field of SO or sex offender treatment yeah. right now. So yeah. an old school way of thinking is that if the client does not admit what they've done and get it out of the open, then they can't go through treatment. Research yeah. says differently. They, they don't do. have to admit what they've done. Um, they we find treatment. that them going through the process and learning, like, because. But because they have to go to treatment. They have to go to yeah, treatment. Everything they just can't do yeah, nothing. Everything is, yeah. Yes, because think about it. This is yeah. not, this is a symptom of something larger. And so if you're not treating the larger issue, then you're not going to treat the symptom. So these are, these mental health situations, these traumas that happened, this is a way, that, like they have, they have um, to at least see into these legally behaviors. to go to treatment. My, my, the person that yeah. I dealt with is being forced legally to at least get an evaluation and then hopefully go to treatment. Yeah. So what but, you'll find is, yeah, I'm, go ahead. So Kyle. real quick. So yeah. one of the previous shows was about narcissism and uh -huh. the yeah. person we keep on speaking of yeah. is mm -hmm. a raging narcissist Yes. and narcissist can't be cured by treatment. So well, these where are, does that fall into place? Oh, I mean, I know those, that there's probably deviant yeah. behaviors out there that aren't narcissists, yeah. but if you're yeah. a narcissist on top of deviant mm -hmm. behavior, then there's no hope for you. So even if you do go to counseling, you're, yeah. it's not, it, it, not going to matter. It's not that you would, can't I be would, treated. It's that you don't seek help as yeah. a narcissist. That's what Tiona yeah. was explaining. Yeah, but if he's court ordered to do it. Yeah, he, but he's not going to be so, seeking help to be a narcissist. He's going to be yeah. seek. He's court ordered to go for right. sexual psychosexual evaluation. Let's yeah. see that. that um, um, okay, so I work with a lot of clients that have comorbid disorders and a yes. lot of personality disorders. So I have the gamut of the cluster B. So cluster B, like <laughs> narcissism, histrionic, um, yeah. antisocial personality disorder. It's all difficult when you're trying to like you know get empathy and it's like, of all of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in, in narcissism, I'm not going to lie. It is extremely difficult to get them to a place. Um, it can be done and it does take, um, we take with what we do more of a holistic approach and we treat like mental health because again, we don't want to just treat the symptom. We want to treat the causes. So we're looking at trauma, mental health, all of that, because it's important. And so there are times where you can get a narcissist to, to get to a point where they can see like their motivations and that they have like narcissism. They like to know also they have an art because it's almost kind of like a badge of, you know, you know, kind of oh, I'm narcissistic. And so I'm like cool or whatever. They can use it to their advantage, right? Even if they can acknowledge it, it is very difficult. It's, it is. <laughs> It's not impossible. It's just hard. It is really, yeah. really hard. And I, I don't even really know how to explain how to really like get to that point. It is, 
a, it is um, really a lot of maneuvers that um, are difficult and take in that moment. And you have to sometimes play on um, their narcissistic tendencies in order to get the buy-in. And then um, it comes when things in their life aren't going the way that they want them to. When things start crumbling down around them, you can kind of get a bit of an edge way in. And, and um, but the problem with narcissism is that they aren't wrong or they can't be the weaker person. And so they have a really difficult time. It is. They can't, it they is can't deal with difficult. anything yeah. where they are being not, um, not in charge of something. Um, I know that his crackdown came from um, basically there was a list of things besides voyeurism. There was a list of affairs within that last year that went on. Sure. And um, that'll be fun. We'll catch up on that later. Um, anyway, <laughs> Wait. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah, it's really great. Um <laughs> yeah. So um Kyle, when's this airing? Probably after, yeah, probably early December. So if you uh, want uh, so, I mean we can make it early December. Well, I'm going to really take this not offensively that I was last and that you're like pushing mine out. That's okay. Um, no, no, we, we just, I'm not offended a, at we all. tried to get you in. We tried to get you in a couple weeks ago and, and she had know, surgery. I, you had issues. I mean, yeah, yeah. we've been trying to get you on for I'm over a month. Yeah. Um, but whatever works best for you. I'm very, I think it's, I think, um, I think it would be interesting because. I dealt with, and I like early December. Um, so when my ex-husband was dealing with these things, we, it was, something was going on and I thought he was having an affair. But when I found out what this was, mm -hmm. I immediately was like, my, I'm wrong. My spidey senses are He's just, he was just videotaped, not just, we took it to the police. I, I told the people who were the victims and they chose to press charges. Um, thank God, yeah. because he needed some um, punishment. And as of right now, he, I don't think he thinks he got that, but it's, it, you can't run from karma. How many times have I said it? You've watched me say it to him. He doesn't like it. Um, and the reality is I was wrong. It was both. <laughs> and so when we talk about the comorbidity, the narcissism got worse the closer I got to graduating with my master's and the control issues. And then the affairs happened. Cause he saw you getting more power. Oh, I was, I was, well, I was healing too. Remember how bad I was. Mm -hmm. I remember I couldn't walk. I was sick. I had the surgeries. I had the car accident, yep. the spinal surgeries. I was completely in bad shape. I kept getting better and healing. And then he was like, Oh, well this sucks. And I was about to, graduate, take my state test, earn a living, be able to walk away if I wanted. And it would be the first time that he couldn't control that or Have financially control, freeze right. me out and not let me leave, which we know he's done on several occasions. Um, Samantha was there when we tried to leave the last time and he did financially freeze me out. Um, and I was graduating like in five weeks or four weeks. And so it was kind of similar to this situation, but that was a whole little bit different thing. That was more abusive than it was mm -hmm. anything else I knew about at the time. Um, and I still don't know 
what went on and where the timeline is for this, right? I don't have a lot of information. And and I didn't question him because at this point it didn't matter. It, it didn't matter, people, you know. So we'll talk about that in a later date. We have shows coming up going into detail. But let's really go into, um, this is a really important question. I think people want to know for you too. How do you stay neutral and non-judgmental with your client knowing ah. they're violating people and you're and they're probably ordered by the court most of the time to come to you it's not like they walk in and go sure. you know what i'm molesting yeah. a six-year-old and i just don't feel right about yeah. it yeah that just yeah. doesn't happen so yeah. um i no mean it's knocking it's on your office door <laughs> yeah it's definitely not something that many people can work with You've it got is the good personality difficult for it. Yeah. to, I mean, what I have to even read like prior to them coming in or like writing these reports and such, be horrific. I mean, yeah. to say the least, it is difficult. Um, how I am able to work with them. Um, I think it's kind of goes back to early on in school. I always knew that I would work with sex offenders. Mm-hmm. I just no, I remember I we talked it, about it, yeah. And that yeah. nobody else was going to do it. And I just had a different way of looking at it. And the way that I looked at it was I would rather help somebody find a different way home that day and prevent them from hurting another, you know, person, yeah. child, whatnot, than not do anything. Like, I can take the having to listen to the horrific things if that means I can help somebody, um, and you don't become overly empathetic with them. You still keep your wall up as everything you did is still wrong. I'm just helping you get better. You're not, you don't, you don't um, take the yes approach. And no. yeah. So I, so I don't find myself having a wall up with them. So okay. I humanize them as well. So I mean, you don't, so you don't sympathize with their actions. You don't agree. You know how some therapists have a problem with yeah. Feeling bad for them. Like, oh, you shouldn't be in this situation. You know, you poor sure. thing. I'm not, yeah, yeah I'm not going to save somebody from treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I also, and I think what uh, people have a harder time with is I recognize that this is a result of, you know, something um, that, happened that has also happened to them. And so when coupled with when you, you know, read their stories and you understand like what their childhood was like and you go like how did anybody survive this it it creates a human you know like you look at them more humanistic and i don't look at them just for their offense i look at them as a person and as them that have also been have extensive trauma i mean when you have when you're looking at somebody and you're like how was your childhood and they're like oh it was great and then you find out that like every day their mom tied them to a chair with a you know telephone cord and like right. beat them and then it's like and, and then like lock them in closets and stuff and it's like but they don't even know that that's not normal like they're not even i mean you know they've been incarcerated since they were so i was you know incarcerated since they were like early 20s and then they're now in their 60s getting out of civil commitment for the first time right they've been incarcerated for like 40 years they have no idea what is even a normal family looks like, or like, you know, it's normal, but you know, like what was something that would be healthy behavior would look like. And so um, in that way, I think it brings um, a more, like I bring more of like a humanistic like approach in the sense that 
I'm not only looking at their offenses because I want to be able to help them not repeat that, but I want to try to work with the trauma that kind of led them to those decisions that they made. And like, that's where I can help them not do it in the future. Like, how do we come up with different coping mechanisms besides sexual deviant behavior? Like, where can I help you work through that? Where can I help you be open and honest when you're having these urges so that way your team can help you and that you're not doing it alone because nobody can do it alone. There's a reason that we do group therapy. There's a reason that we bring in people. Humans are meant to have other humans around them. And so um, the more they try to do something alone, the higher risk they are. Um, And so I think that and that's like the the easiest answer that I guess that I can give you is that so if you are um, watching and you are one of those people get help because you're not going to yeah. run karma will catch you you will get found out and it's no, there's not many people who are going to feel bad for you I do want to say I think a lot of children who've gone through abuse uh, been sexually abused at yeah. a very young age by their parent their right. caregiver you know these things. A lot of times we'll excuse things away. The person stopped because they yeah. felt bad, right? So they mm-hmm. quit sexually abusing their children. But well, then they I think on- it's just just really important to note, just real yeah. quick, that a lot of people yeah. that are sexually abused do not go on to sexually abuse. No, so, this is very true. Yeah. As a matter of fact, yeah. we so really I just do want to know that, that that a lot of people the that chances sexually, of you being sexually, sexually abused, abused weren't sexually right. abused themselves. But they will also sometimes those people will grow up to be adults and they will stay in contact with those people because they quit doing it because they felt bad, but then they verbally abused you and they physically abused you. You still have a right to set boundaries and say, you may have quit sexually abusing me. You still don't get to have input in my life. You are still, and, and, and they're causing more trauma because they're now adults and they feel like they can yes. criticize their life still. And that's- you, yeah. You 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 haven't learned to set boundaries because even your siblings are like, well, they did f- stop and they felt bad. Um, there you go. You uh, didn't learn. To, you don't know how to set boundaries because you didn't learn how to set boundaries because yes. boundaries weren't present when you were growing up. And so you didn't have adults or people around you that were setting healthy boundaries and taught you how to do that. And so that's part of the problem. Um, there is something that... Um, that would be great to look up um, if you, you okay. know, anybody that's listening, you have a chance and it's like, you know, um, needs to do a little bit of boundary work. It's called um, your personal bill of rights. And okay. so it talks about like, you have the right to say no. And that doesn't mean you have the right to say no and then give a reason. You can just say no because that's you okay. You were the best. You did that in a class. It was your, you were taking, uh, you were doing your master's, I think, right? And And you had to go through that process of just saying no. And I did it. It took a small term, by the way. (laughs) No, it did. But if you remember, I did it when you did it. And it's not easy. I now do it way more often. Now, there are times I will tell somebody. Okay. I am sorry. I have to. Because, you know, we're not. It's not a homework assignment. But I now have no problem just saying, no, I can't be there. And all yeah. because Samantha took the class and they made her do that. It is yeah. a healthy boundary to be able to just say no and not give a reason. I don't need to tell you that I what my plans are that day. Um, one thing I would like working with you people to with their boundaries is one of the yes. hardest things that I have to work on with people. Whether I'm working with couples 
or I'm working on with people in um, like a day treatment program or just individuals, working on personal boundaries is one of the most difficult things because um, so many of us didn't learn them. And it's just a struggle. It's yeah. hard to keep healthy boundaries. But once you start gonna, learning yeah. to, you become, you feel so empowered. You're you not only empowered, so but you're going to be less likely to give in. So there, a lot of the people who are sexually abused, well, very many of them end up with drug addictions or certain addictions, whether it's pills that they don't want to use, but they're just trying to function um, or alcohol or whatever. Um I actually have huge sympathy for people who are going through this because of the abuse they suffered. And I really, and also because I do know the steps they need to take to heal. I know X, Y, and Z, and let's, let's do that. So um, when somebody does admit to me, this happened, this is what I'm doing. I don't know how to deal with it. Okay. I can point you to A, B, and C. I can hook you up with this person, this person. We know how to um, disconnect. With boundaries, it can help you with your addiction issues and the sense it that- It is absolutely part of it. Any yeah. program that's worth their weight is going to, boundary work is going to be something that you learn like from the start because it's so important. And I think so it's really- with that- Oh, with that really boundary, when you mentioned yeah. when you mentioned earlier your personal bill of rights, was that a book or is that like a web page? What is that? No. So you can just Google it and you will come up okay. with all different like the list is pretty much the same. Um, but if you Google it, they're like it will just come up like Google images or whatever, and you can just print them out. Like I can okay. get a copy from Google and send it over to you, but um, No, I just want to make sure we put not, like, if we find or, one. Yeah, we can find one, put it in the yeah. link below, you know, just so people have access yeah. to it. Yeah, it is so easy. You like just type in personal bill of rights on Google and you're just, it's the same list and it's going to come up in all different formats. I use it with my clients all the time. So you, Samantha, when we're talking about the boundaries and helping people who have been with um, sure. sexually assaulted and dealing with mm -hmm. this, a lot of times they don't feel it's okay to set boundaries. Um, with the adult that was not stopping it. Like they, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to set boundaries with the abuser, but what they don't realize is that the other parent or aunt or whoever, um, mm -hmm. the mother, the father, like whoever, the other parent, the mm -hmm. non-abusing parent, they mm -hmm. allowed it. They were the ones yeah. that were n neglecting you too. There's abuse sure. in, um, I don't even know the, the word, the right word is skipping my brain, but they are allowing the situation to continue. Yes. And they, they also enabled boundaries set up and they, thank you. That's exactly what I want. They enabled it a hundred percent. Didn't support yeah. you in a protective manner like they're supposed to. Therefore, I'm just saying you are allowed to set boundaries with them. Both yes. of those people. It is so hard, especially when it's your parents. Yes. Because it's feel not bad. natural to yeah. want to, you know, um, either cut those relationships off sometimes, which is necessary, or yeah. it is for a while parents, because, because you've got to think there's that power dynamic yeah. as well. And yes. so there's a power yeah. dynamic that you are fighting against. And if you were in these situations, and this is the household and, and whatnot, think about where you learned 
a lot of your boundary setting from is the same, very same person who did not protect you when needed. And so you came up with your own coping skills and part of your coping skills was probably avoiding and just letting them say whatever. And then like moving off, which I'm sure Tiffany, you know, a lot of, and then, you know, <laughs> I, I went through a little, just, I went through a little of that. Yes. Just <laughs> a smidge. Um, so, you know, it's like, it's, 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 oh, I am, that's why I'm sympathetic and I'm understanding. Yeah. 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 I've it's gone kind of like a trauma. hamster that you can't get off of and it reinforces itself. Yeah. And so it is, it is, you know, that's why, you know, people are in, you know, therapy for years or whatnot. I mean, there's, right. there's different theories. There are different types of therapies. Some people do right. them, you know, very short sessions, sometimes very long. My approach, my style is we could be working on this for 10 years. Like, I don't know, because as more stuff comes through, like we have more to work on. And I definitely like some people look at from like this point moving forward. And I'm like, everything that happened in your childhood is important. That's well, my perspective. Just, That's a theory. You know, I work for more yeah. of like a psychodynamic kind of. No, we just talked about this in all like, and such. So in last five shows, Kyle, the, um, yeah. So the idea is, you know, this, everyone watching, we've already, if you've watched any of our previous shows, what happens to you in utero, zero to five and five to 10 is carving out your entire life. And that's the basis of who you are as a child and behavior. Um, when we're doing with behavior, all of your behavior is built from there. And it's really what I liked about hypnotherapy. It's, it's not that they're erasing your memories. They're not. What they're doing is they're taking the triggers away. Um, and you know, it took me a long time. Even when I met you, I had not set clear boundaries with family members that had been abusive. I, had, I didn't yes. even understand it yet. Now I have some yeah. boundaries. And of course, at first, it doesn't work. They don't like it. Which is, which is so funny because you're such an Aries and like, so boundary setting is really not. Because when you, you know. go through those abuse situations, I might be an Aries, but I didn't set boundaries with anyone. I, yes. So that's yes. what I was going to say is because you are very clear on what you like, what you want, what you're, you know, so you have no problem telling somebody this is how it is at the same time. That's why it's so important is that you don't know what you don't know. Or you don't know, like, but until you start questioning what is going on with yourself and you start actually dissecting, saying, is this something I still believe? We start getting down to those core beliefs. Is this something I still believe? Does that still make sense for me? Is it still working for me? Until you start doing that work, you can't, like, really start healing that trauma and really start getting those behaviors changed. And you can start changing behaviors, but it's, it, it is... It, you have to change the entire way that you process information. Yeah. Really. I, I really and that, think um, that deprogramming is a really big part of it. I, I really, I really think the last eight years, well, 10 since 2013 was um, Kyle and I have talked about on the show, my healing process um, kind of started in January when I decided I had to stand myself up. I really don't think that's true. I think there was a lot of, steps that I was taking in the last eight to 10 years that have to count that got me to the point where I said, I'm mm -hmm. not tolerating this or, um, well, actually, you know, with my divorce, it was the violation of other friends, family, and loved members under my nose that completely the hidden cameras that was unacceptable. I actually am a not in denial that I think it was going on with me. And you and I mm -hmm. both know there was worse things going on with me that 
sure. we're, we're not mentioning right now. Um, but I do believe that I'm more sympathetic <laughs> towards people who haven't started their journey of healing. Yeah. Um, mo- more, I'm not even sympathetic. I think the answer is I will definitely listen and help you. I de- I want to. And, um, and the reason is because good Lord, look where I was when I met you compared to where I am now and just mm-hmm. a growth process of dealing with stuff. And, um, yeah, setting boundaries, I think is a big one. Um, but also, um, setting healthy boundaries. Thank you. Setting, oh, I like that. Yeah, it's not boundaries. just. Yeah. I don't want the handcuffs tonight. Because you can like set that. you can you can set boundaries <laughs> yeah. that are really don't work for you, and that's right. typically what we do. We set set boundaries yes. all the time, but they don't actually work for us in a way that's healthy for us. So no, I I did that all the time in my marriage. I set boundaries that weren't actually fixing anything. They weren't changing mm-hmm. abusive situations. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I do, I do feel like what, what is the thing you can tell someone who has going through this, they're in their twenties or thirties and they have been through this abuse and they have not started that process. They dealt with a person who had deviant behaviors yeah. in their life and an enabler where, what, what is your answer to them? Like what, where do you start um, and, and not feel ashamed, not being, having the shame? Yeah. Yeah. Find a good therapist. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say that, but and um, a, a, therapist a, good, a therapist that like works for you. Like, okay. So yeah. um, you can have a phenomenal therapist and it not be a good match. So when you go to find yeah. a therapist, feel free to shop around, talk to them, yes. talk about the way they conceptualize, you know, the world, the, yeah. you know, how they go about something um, because that's going to be where you get the, you know, like the, the, the best fit. Um, and I think that's a good place to start because when you're working with, um, childhood traumas and such like that, or even if you don't even know, um, a good test is the ACE test, A-C-E. Um, the ACE is just talked about it. The program for this. Yes. Yep. Here we go. So plug another one. So that you can take it (laughs) online and it just kind of, it goes through um, and asks you different questions about um, things that you experienced as a child and that could be traumatic. And so a lot of people have gone through trauma that don't know. Um, There's also another... Or they can't remember all of it. They know there was there some. Is, they know there was something, but yeah. they really don't remember a lot of it. But they still had the physical sure. abuse and yeah. the verbal abuse that is still affecting them as an adult. You know what I mean? And they're and not that's, setting Yeah, and that's now. your way because our attachment style that we um, form based on our childhood experiences with our caregivers will inform our attachments with relationships with friends, family, coworkers, other relationships. And so those attachment styles, it's important to also understand your type of attachment style. So um, that could also be something that might be helpful if you're like, I don't really know if I'm ready for therapy or not yet. Take a look at the ACEs, take a look at attachment styles. Again, easy Google attachment style quiz or something like that. Um, There's tons of them out there. And, you know, um, 
that doesn't give you like a formal diagnosis or anything, but it can give you kind of an idea if you may have some, a maladaptive attachment that could be affecting your life. So if you start, um, you know, looking through something and it's, um, well, and, and you're like, Ooh, that sounds like somebody. me, but this is like actually saying it's not, you know, super the, the, helpful. Yeah. If you chances of them marrying somebody who is as abusive and has deviant behaviors, um, is very high. It is much easier. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's it's just um. Well, we could do a whole I other show on on relationships. I'm right here with it. Yeah. Form and <laughs> together. I'm yeah. looking at. There's another. There's a book that um is really helpful if you've gone through Good. trauma. Um, be okay. aware that um it could be very triggering, but it can help you understand what happens in your body. Um, and okay. it's. I want to say it's the body remembers, but that might be the other the one. Body anyway. keeps the score. The yeah, body keeps the score. score. There we go. <laughs> That's the third the body remembers, which is a good book. So, but it's the so body everybody. keeps the score yeah. is like 10 is out of the, 10. Yeah. yeah. If, so I think, I think we need to get a hold of those body keeps the score and the aces people because everything has come back to that from all of our mm -hmm. professionals that we've yeah. spoke with without even yeah. bringing yeah. it up, you know? So, yeah. I mean, one show was up specifically about the aces, but yeah. we true. wanted yeah. to introduce it to people because I didn't know yeah. what the aces score was. Tiffany didn't know what the aces no. score was. Yeah. And we were like, and I explained it to her and she's like, Oh my God, send that link to me. And that'll be once again, the aces it's score link will be in it, the show like, description. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, um, mm -hmm. So, uh -huh. and if, and if, you know, <laughs> when it comes to our, uh, when it comes to our other episodes, if you've seen them, you've already been introduced to the ACES score. If you haven't taken it yet, I, I yeah. implore you to take it mm -hmm. because it could explain a lot of stuff that is deep inside you that you're not admitting to yeah. anyone else, but yourself. And, and I'll, and I'll even also implore you to, to be humble and to be open-minded when you're trying to do that deep dive to figure out what the hell is going on with you. If you don't, just don't feel right, you know? So. I, I love it. And I love every, everything you're saying is my God. It's so great. And so amazing because I think the process is to heal people and mm -hmm. to keep them from repeating a cycle that they don't know they're keeping. Um, I brought this up in one of my little tidbits. It wasn't on a show, but the problem is with being raised in abuse. Like you said, same thing I said, they, they're providing your roof over your head, your clothing, making sure you can go to school, your food. It's like Stockholm syndrome. You actually are dependent on the abuser for everything in your life and, and all of your necessary needs. So it's really hard for you to make a clear cut line that this person is bad when you aren't getting without if you without that as when you're seven you can't you can't separate some of that well and think about how much worse it is when you're seven and they're not meeting those needs even though they're the ones yeah. that you have to depend on you're not getting yeah. food from them you're not getting appropriate shelter you may not have electricity you may not have you know even the things that we talk about like in maslow's hierarchy you know that very bottom section yeah, of just maslow's hierarchy of needs yeah you live and they're not getting it at seven years old. You have to be the parent to your siblings because you're not receiving that either. And so, but the adult is supposed to be the one that's taking care of you. And so what messages are those giving? And then, you know, maybe you're getting, you know, hit or abused at home as well. And so therefore, what power do you have? Therefore, you're not having any autonomy or power and control, which, you know, again, yeah, it just snowballs.
Yeah. Well, and I believe it feeds into um, stubbornness and ego because you have to fight for that control. And it's harder for you to ask for help, even if you know someone cares about you and wants to help you. And but the you can't trust people. You can't what? Trust people. What was that? You right. You have a lack people. of trust because you, you don't trust love because love has always so been then, not okay yeah. to you. So you're so like, you're how do I trust this? Yeah. You're pushing, you're pushing people away. Sabotage which means you're not your relationships. Mad because you need people yes. there to get space. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yes. This is <laughs> per, like, oh my God, I couldn't. Yeah. All of it, Sam. All of it. So I think um, one of the most important things <laughs> when you're a kid and you're going through that, there are also people getting all their needs net because they're from a wealthy family. So they're yeah. getting food, water, shelter. They're not taking care of their siblings, but now, and how many, how many people do we know that grew up in wealthy families that are getting that abuse and now they can't reason it out or, or even middle-class families. Yeah. I mean, that's because there's, there's a psychological aspect as well. So you have people that have all of those needs, like they have the clothes or the food or whatever, but they don't have the emotional needs they need met or they can't like their parents are just not home ever. And so they don't have that connection yeah. they need. So it's all, it, it, you know, it's yeah. all there. It is. It is. <laughs> and I, and I really, I, um, yeah, so definitely Sam, just, um, you can go ahead and give us your final words on what we need because I, I love it. We hit so much and we'll have you and Tiona back on together and, um, being able oh, to do, I know. Me too. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> the things that make you excited when you're an adult. Um, <laughs> so we <laughs> go ahead and give me your final words. Other than if you know someone cares about you, reach yeah. out to them. If you believe someone cares about you, you're afraid to trust them. But maybe you could be wrong. Take the risk because your healing is worth it. And it will change yeah. your life. And also you can agree with this. It will allow you to be more successful throughout your entire future. So you're in your twenties, you haven't dealt with it yet. Deal with it. It will change your life. Yeah. I, I think that if you think that this could apply to you, then there's probably something that could apply. And so whether it's not sexual trauma or anything like that, um, if you're curious, you know, be curious and, um, you're not going to lose anything from, you know, kind of taking a step in, um, in that direction. If you're curious, even if it's just doing something as simple as, you know, Googling the ACEs test, ACE, um, and, uh, you know, just doing that and seeing if you have any, we will like, have the link for the ACEs test right below and we'll have ACEs, yeah. a link for the, for the body keeps the score yeah. and the link, just look below. You'll see it on the YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, body keeps the score, the ACEs test and, uh, it, it's, and it's, uh, and, and the one. body keeps the score is a good one, but it's the other book that I would recommend yeah. more. Um, um, we just said it. We did just say it anyways, yeah. you'll have it. And I'm not a wordsmith. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Right. <laughs> well, I have it on my bookshelf right behind me, but you know, yeah. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock. We're old. It's, it's rough. <laughs> nope. Turning into a pumpkin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I can stay up late given the right situation, oh, yeah. but I'm um, <laughs> yeah, forgetting to put S on the end of aces. It's aces, not ace. It's AC. 
E S, even though I keep okay. forgetting the S. I don't spell No, no, either. no. I love that. I love that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I really, I really think it's so important. You just, um, and I don't know if this interview is going to be out yet or not. We just with, talked with a lawyer who dealt with sexual abuse cases and people who had deviant behaviors abusing these children. And I find that, um, as you know, not everybody ends up in your office or in a office under court mandate. Many of them just walk away. So, and, and especially last century, there really wasn't a lot of backup for that. It was almost like uh, you really didn't have a lot of backup. So I think we have a lot of people from last century dealing with stuff that there nobody was watching out for them. Like, you know, today it's, it's a little bit tighter, but it's still, it's still happening. People are still walking out of courtrooms without punishments. Samantha, we came up with great ideas for people. The links, like we said, are below. It's all amazing. I think if everybody steps up and um, if there is somebody in your life that you know does care about you as an adult, um, try to reach out and let them help you and see if it works. Would you agree with that, Samantha? Sure. Yeah, I would say that. A partner that's trying to be involved and help you, but you sure, are scared. Yeah. Like yeah. If, yeah. And um, there are professionals out there that yes. they can help and they can help guide you through it and, um, you know, kind of take it at your pace and, and whatnot. So, so never too late. <laughs> it has been more than fun. I felt like this was the old days, Samantha, yeah. and we were just going at it like back at school. Um, so that was really exciting. And I can't wait to be on here with you and Tiona. So I want everyone to keep watching. Kyle, final thoughts? Nope. I just appreciate Samantha coming on and sharing her her uh, knowledge and her wisdom with us. Um, I know it has to be tough. I did have one question and yeah, you know sure. we don't have to spend too much time on it, but this question was really good today when we asked someone who deals with rough stuff and and sees and hears and listens to, and now you are actually working with people that you're trying to, to help, you know, what do you do to, because that is all form of trauma as well in your sure. life. Mm -hmm. What do you do? What are, what are your couple things that you do real quick before we wrap it up? What are the couple things that you do to help yourself through these times? Because as we okay. know, that associated trauma can be something that could build with us. Yes. And, and when then we need our own help or how do you, yes. how do you go about, you know, yeah. diminishing so that for yourself? Yeah. I'm quite gifted at compartmentalizing. So I have to do that. I have to set things aside. It'll catch up to you though. No, it, it will. No, she, she, um, it will, but also, she is very good at it. Yeah. The, the secret is, is that we have really dark humor and so with my colleagues, um, yes. we just have, re I mean, that's all, that's as far as I can go is that <laughs> if anybody were to walk in, they'd be like, what did you just say? Like, how could you say that and probably report it? So that is super helpful. Um, always engaging with my colleagues, always talking to them. We debrief constantly, um, talking about cases, how other. we're like yeah. feeling about something like like that is a constant part of our day or week. Um, and it's just absolutely necessary. Be mindful and we of what you're feeling. And to be mindful of what we're feeling. Yeah. And we're always like watching out for each other as well. And it's like, mm, that was a bit of a tough, 
you know, or something's looking at maybe, you know, lighten up the caseload a little bit or, you know, take some time off, whatever. Um, but we watch out for each other and we're talking about it and we just really have dark humor and it's phenomenal. And, Kyle has yeah. really pushed me into more mindful stuff and really, um, I got him into understanding manifestation and affirmations and he's pushing me into be more mindful yeah. and um yes. and really that's come up earlier today too so i love it um oh yeah so, i love positive affirmations that's been oh my god oh yeah you'll love my new tiktok and um instagram it's all on affirmations and understanding how to apply them correctly with manifestation as well so i'm really excited about it so anyway um kyle said so his final thoughts samantha we cannot wait to have you back and i, can't wait I want back I know, me too. I want you everybody. You my podcast cherry. There you go. Oh, look at that. Your first one. Okay, let's go. So I want everybody to, of course, get healthy, be happy, and stay fabulous. And we cannot wait to have you join us again.